Welcome to the podcast of Trinity Church London. You're listening to a message given on a Sunday morning. If you'd like to know more about us and the life of the church, please visit trinitychurchlondon.com. When I say the word evangelism, what comes into your mind? Sorry? Horn. Paul. Oh, Paul. Yeah, okay. Paul. And what else? What comes to your mind when I say evangelism? God spell. God spell. Okay, these are very godly answers. Anything else? Evangelism. Healing. Healing. On the streets. On the streets. Love. Love. Not easy. <laughs> Sorry? Door knocking. Door knocking. Yeah. The, the gospel. Persecution. Passion. Hang on. Passion. Jesus. Prison. Prison. Yeah. <laughs> there's like a very positive streak here and there's some people who are like very negative <laughs> I, 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 I mean it's interesting I mean this is obviously a very well trained godly passionate bunch of Christians here because when I hear evangelism I immediately think of the guy with the megaphone on Oxford Circus right and the big placards and those guys in Victoria who just stand even at like 8 o'clock 8.30 at night you might be going home and there's like only two people there and they're still just shouting through a megaphone like into the you're like wow there's no one here but they're still going you know they're still just preaching um there are people knock on doors there can be people who be quite aggressive i mean if you're from like an american type culture big black bibles and thumping lecterns and kind of angry faces and heaven and hell and like they're not always like positive associations i think and I think, I mean, 100 years ago, for us in the West anyway, 100 plus years ago, Christianity was really the only voice in the public market square, like in terms of evangelism. There, wasn't, there was a little bit of you know, the political chat, but we didn't have what we have today in terms of globalization and other cultures here in the West. And in London, we didn't have the internet and all the influence that was and the phone today, all of which is preaching good news to us saying here's the good life and this is how you get it in fact there's like 45 second videos on how to achieve the good life whatever the good life might be it and from going for a place where christianity was basically the main mainstream voice in the public market square to now an incredibly crowded market square where everyone is shouting loudly spending millions on pushing their marketing and their gospel and their evangelism forward to us via our phone christianity has actually become increasingly marginalized taken given more than that that actually christianity is not really welcome christians will be pushed to the side Lines, right like we know that if we put on instagram hey i've had a baby i've got a new job look at me on holiday in istanbul or whatever it might be like you get a hundred emojis and hearts and likes and you know hands but as soon as you start talking about your faith it's like tumbleweeds it's like you know like well, we don't, we don't want to hear about your faith in jesus give us more cat videos that's what we like because it's not accepted like it's it's not and so what happens i think sometimes for christians is there can be this feeling that we're a bit uncertain as to how we do evangelism like we know in our heads it's a good idea but we're a bit uncertain how do you do it today because people are not like that really interested and what can lead then is a little bit of a lack of desire or 
motivation because we can feel like maybe I'll just like carry on through my life and just forget the whole risking myself in a conversation thing. And, and this is where Paul comes in in this chapter because Paul in this chapter is talking about his approach to evangelism when he came to this city Corinth and how he started a church a church where he didn't have like a hundred Christians who were like let's go and let's start the new razziest dazziest kind of church in town there was nothing there apart from him and the gospel and how did he start this church and he's sharing his approach to evangelism in this city and and my hope and my prayer is off the back of this is one that some of the negative associations would just get washed away but more of us would be talking about Jesus more because of the next half an hour or so that there would be more Jesus conversations happening wherever we are at work on the streets wherever we might be that might be more of us motivated to actually share the hope that we have in Christ with other people and I want to kind of deconstruct and reconstruct some in the next few minutes learning from Paul because he had not a method and to call this a method would be to misconstrue it it's really an attitude and a way of approaching life a way of approaching friendships and relationships everything based on the principle of Christ himself because what we have in the gospel the good news is something of incredible hope and if you're a christian here today and you've ever been in a conversation with someone who isn't a christian and you've shared something of your hope in christ how do you feel in like after that moment don't you sense like the 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 closeness of the, the pleasure of god in your heart the joy of being able to share like eternal hope with somebody else it's like it just fizzes in your heart because i got to share the most precious thing in the world i was thinking this morning you know if if you if you knew that you had like a truckload of free pills that would cure people of cancer and if you had the privilege of walking around a cancer ward and to go and tell people like i've got something that i can give you for free that will heal you what kind of privilege that would be if you were the one who appointed to say you get to tell them that there is something that you can take and within two days you'll be out of here and feeling better than ever before and yet what we have with the gospel is infinitely and more eternally better because that might heal you for a life but the gospel brings healing and salvation and forgiveness for this life and into eternity we have something that we can offer to someone and it's free of charge like we're giving you hope and life we want to offer it to you and in those moments when you get to share something of your hope in christ with another there is a a privilege and a joy that we sense and i'm just i'm just praying that we would enjoy more of these moments if that's all right anyone with me all right okay all the positive people on the word association game are like yes all the persecution and prison people are like no (laughs) so i want to look at his his method although it's the the wrong word but i was going to call it the method and then his motivation it works because it's an alliteration and it's two m's so it works and i'm a preacher so yeah i'm a baptist at heart so it's got a rhyme and methods and then motivation it's a proper sermon today this is all summed up really in verse 19 where paul paul says this kind of strange and seemingly contradictory thing 
And it sums up really his whole approach as to how he evangelized in Corinth and how we can today. He says, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. And it's interesting, he's basically saying what seem to be opposite things. The first thing he says is, I'm actually free from everybody. I am not constrained to do anything that anybody asks me. I don't have to play any cultural games with anybody. I am completely free. The only person who dictates my life is Jesus Christ. That's true of him. And yet, at the very same time, he says, I have made myself a servant to all. So at the same time, I see the needs of this city in Corinth and I don't just walk past it and see there is a city that needs the gospel. I'm free to do whatever I like. I can live my own life with Christ. He sees the need and he subjects himself as a servant to this city and says, I am going to make myself your servant so that I can give you good things. Martin Luther reflecting on these kind of two different theses that actually come together. He says this, and he says that it's love that brings these two things together. Love serves and subjects itself to that which it loves. So he's saying, I'm free to do everything. And the thing that draws me to those who are without the gospel is love. And I willingly come underneath them and serve them with this good news. I don't have to, but love compels me. And there are two things that mark this this attitude of like service and being a servant to others who don't know Christ. The first is this, that Paul, he didn't stand on his own personal rights. This is what I'm allowed to do, so I'm going to go and do this. He didn't say that. He has this example that he uses with them of being paid for his ministry or not being paid so he says in verse one people were questioning his apostleship because he didn't look like the other celebrity philosophers or teachers of his day and they were beginning to think this guy isn't like he's not up to much like his preaching style wasn't much he didn't look like much and so they were questioning and he says am i not free Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are not you my workmanship in the Lord? You get a little bit of a sense that he's slightly ticked off here. You're like, you do know I'm free to do whatever I like, right? I've just served you and served you and served you. But I didn't, you know that I didn't have to do that, right? You're like, okay, Paul, calm down. Because he was eligible to receive his living, his finances, from the preaching of the gospel. The Lord had commanded it in the Old Testament. It was a provision made for him. So he says in verse 13, Do you not know that those who are employed in the temple service get their food from the temple, and those who serve at the altar share in the sacrificial offerings? And in the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. And he used other examples like Peter, Cephas, who earns a living from the gospel, and that was a godly thing that he did and yet Paul says I never made any use of that right to get paid for my service of the city and the church he says in verse 12 nevertheless we have not made use of this right but we endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ so Paul sometimes received a living from the gospel but when he came to Corinth he said I'm not going to make use of this right 
because I think what was going on in Corinth is there were these philosophers and teachers and there was a very like strong celebrity culture there and these philosophers and teachers they would be asking for money and so when a philosopher would be in town it was quite common for them to also be asking for money on the street corner like literally just begging and so they knew a, a philosophers in town it was just part and parcel they would be asking for money they would give their lectures and then they would ask for money and it was just this thing that went hand in hand and Paul looked at this situation and he knew that he wanted to provide something different the gospel that is free and so he says in this city I'm not going to charge because I don't want to be lumped in with these other celebrity teachers and philosophers and just be assumed to be like them I want to, them to know that the gospel is something radically different and says I'm not going to and so what he does is he takes up his old trade of being a tent maker and so when he's in Corinth he works as a tent maker he had two jobs studying, preaching, serving the church proclaiming, doing evangelism and making tents and he works these two jobs so that no stumbling block would be put in the way of the gospel he doesn't stand on his rights he could have done and this this standing on 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 our own rights works two ways because you could be not doing something but that doesn't mean that just because you don't have to do it doesn't mean that you shouldn't not do it I, I don't have to go to that person I don't have to eat that food I don't need to go to that country I I don't need to adopt that way of life. I, I, I don't need to submit myself to there. Doesn't mean that you shouldn't not. If you want to make friends with Muslims as a Christian, uh, it's probably not a good idea to, hey, because the holy book is something reverent. Say, I, I can put my Bible on the floor. It doesn't matter. Like Christ is in heaven. He's, in, he's my righteousness. He's there. I can't touch his righteousness. You could do that. But Paul says, no, no, I'm not... I want to love, I want to serve, I don't want anything to get in the way of the, the gospel. I could wear whatever I like, things that feel appropriate in this culture, but if I'm trying to reach someone else, and if that's not appropriate in their culture, I don't stand on my rights in a Christian, like, I can wear this, it doesn't matter, like, I'm, a, I'm free. Paul would say, no, 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 love compels us that actually we are going to submit and serve, and we, if there's anything that's going to get in the way of God, the gospel, it's only going to be the gospel we don't want to put anything of ourselves in the way and for some of you who have come to London and you're from overseas you know some of this like having to come into a culture those of us who are white and English and born and bred here it's harder for us because we're kind of like this is just how we do things but some of you are actually quite well trained at like understanding adapting and seeing culture to incorporate yourselves to identify and be with these this is the approach out of love I'm not going to put anything in the way but it also means that there are some things that we don't do when we feel like we want to do them I will actually not eat that or not go there or not do this or not say that or not joke about that or not post that or not do this why? because I don't want anything to get in the way of the, the good news of the, of the gospel does this make sense? So we submit ourselves to others. John Stott was an Anglican uh, vicar, now passed away uh, in, in All Souls at Oxford Circus. And he, if, if you think of an Englishman, like he's probably like one of the most typical Englishmen you'll ever come across. If you ever hear his preaching, it is like the most English, polite, gentlemanly type preaching that you will ever come across. It's brilliant. Um, 
And he was a lifelong t- teetotaler, like he never drank alcohol. He just decided, like for him, his principle, never drink alcohol. And he tells his story of once going to a pastor's family's, uh, a pastor and his family uh, in France. And he was being hosted. And, and John Stott, if you don't know him, he had huge global impact, like a, a huge impact. In fact, helped Esther's father in Sri Lanka, right? Mentored um, and uh, lifelong friend of the Ballantines. Um, but a huge global impact. Chose not to drink alcohol. Goes to this family's house. And they know that John Stott's coming to their house. And so they buy an expensive bottle of wine in honour of the fact that John Stott is coming. And they don't know that he's a teetotaler. And John Stott quickly clocks the bottle of wine on the table and quickly clocks that that looks like an expensive bottle of wine. On principle, his right is not to drink alcohol. Lifelong teetotaler. And if you've ever been a lifelong anything, it can do, you know, it becomes something of like a winning streak, right? If you've ever been like, you know, it's like, I, I've not, I don't want to, this is my principle, this is how I live my life. And yet, what did John Stott do in that moment? He chose to accept that glass of wine and to drink some wine at the meal, knowing that love demanded that he accept their honour. I was amazed when I read that as like an 18 year old kind of like I'm doing I want to live my life I've got my diet I've got my exercise all my things I want to be doing I've got my way of doing life I want to be unbending which is what we're all told to be you know like scrap anything around you and here's John sort of so gracious so kind that a lifelong teetotaler said no it's fine like uh, thank you this is the attitude that we take as Christians when we are embedded in life we are there to serve others So first, we don't stand on our rights. And the second thing is this, that we identify with others. So he says in verse 19, and then almost, though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. And then he gives these four examples of, of different types of people in the city of Corinth. And he says, to the Jews, I became a Jew. Not like I hang out with Jews, He says, no, I became one of them. He's saying, I adopted their ways. When I was with the Jewish community, I adopted their ways. I adopted their customs. I adopted their eating habits. I took on their ways because I wanted to talk to them about Jesus. And then he says, to those under the law, maybe God fears, I became as one under the law. Like there were some people who like didn't like to eat meat there or liked to meet meat there. And so I would do what was appropriate in that setting. And he says to those outside of the law, probably Gentiles, I became as one outside of the law. Like I have no problem. He's, I'm so free to do whatever I like. I can be with you guys, be with you guys. I, I, I can adopt different cultures and become like you. And he says, to the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. And that probably means for those who didn't eat meat, sacrificed to idols in the temple, he says, I, I became a vegetarian so that I could have dinner with these guys. I, I won't eat meat. Because what is much more important than my right to eat what I like is that you hear the gospel. 
It's this heart and this attitude of love to serve other people. And this identification that he makes with those around him is this like profound coming together, which is the gospel. Because, I mean, in the West, we've made huge mistakes, grievous mistakes in terms of taking through crusades, through force, through violence, taking the gospel to other places, trying to take cities back, trying to by force. What we were doing is we were taking our culture of the West and just trying to plonk it on top of others and trying to by force wash away other cultures. That's not evangelism. Evangelism is saying, I'm identifying with you. I'm going to become with you in your culture, in your society. And in that moment, I want to present Jesus Christ to you because we don't come as Christians to a lost world to rescue them we come as sinners to sinners identifying and saying there is only one hope and it's not us we haven't got it it's Jesus Christ so we come amongst others to say there is a God in heaven who is willing to welcome you all you need to do is turn to him and love him and trust him receive what he has for you open up your hands there's nothing to give it's a humbling moment i know but he wants to bestow you with good things and so we come alongside not to pounce but to come identify and say look at jesus charles spurgeon the baptist pastor from elephant and castle he used to say that evangelism is like one hungry beggar telling another hungry beggar where there is bread it's like I found bread like he's here the bread of heaven taste and see that the Lord is good would you look at him taste him see him behold him we come alongside London and Londoners and say look look at him so Paul takes this attitude of like serving and humility and dependence upon the culture around him saying I want to help you see Jesus I don't want you to get caught up in my I want you to see see Jesus Andy McCulloch, who some of you know, Ash knows quite well, he, has, uh, a part, he leads a, a network called the Unreached Network and he's written this book, Global Humility, and it's a brilliant book and it's about Christians taking the gospel to other nations and he starts the book by saying this. He says, sitting in their living room, sipping sweet coffee from tiny cups, I asked my host, a Lebanese Christian family, you have observed many missionaries come and go over the last 30 years. What kind of people should we send here and what kind of people should not come? He says, that's easy, replied my host. It's all about attitude. They must be prepared to learn good Arabic. That takes several years of hard work. They must live amongst us and not separate from us. They must come to serve and not to judge, to learn and not to dictate, to be amongst us and not above. They will come and go, but the Lebanese church continues. They must contribute to our story, not inflict their own. This is the kind of attitude that we are to take as Christians in our culture. We're not here to win some imperialistic war as Christians. We are here identifying with sinners from all creeds and races and ethnicities and backgrounds and saying there is only one saviour, there's only one Lord, there's one redeemer, one rescuer and his name is Jesus. Can I tell you about him? And so we come as a servant with the gospel. We come to identify with the gospel. It's not just identifying because we'd get absorbed. It's identifying and gospeling at the same time. Does that make sense? And in this tension of these two things, we have the opportunity to present 
Christ. One little thing about gospeling or evangelising once you've come alongside somebody, and this is just something I picked up from Victoria, um, because she's from the north and I'm from London, and we work to stereotypes, or we did. I'm trying to shake off some of my Londonness. But you know, she is one of those people who does say thank you to the bus driver. I mean, still, I mean, it's incredible that she does it. But she actually says words to strangers when she's on the bus, and she actually chats to people in the shops. And I'm like, you know, when we first met, she'd be she'd be on the bus and she'd start chatting to people, and I'd be like getting tense inside, like trying to slip out, like I'm not with her. But anyway, I've 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 learned a lot from her. But what would happen is because we were both passionate about Jesus, we were both passionate about sharing Jesus with other people. We would pray for those opportunities but I began to notice over the first few years of our marriage that Victoria would get into conversations with people about church and Jesus and the hope that she had and I would be often praying for opportunities and I got less opportunities and you know like clever clogs here it took me a few years to like really you know for the penny to drop and I realized what is the difference between me and Victoria Victoria actually actually talks to people she actually chats to people you know i'm very happy to put my headphones on i've got places to go i've got things to do the cashier says how you doing good day yeah fine just like pay the thing i've got things to do like and she would stop and actually answer their question and it all like the, the, a, a pastor once said you know the key to being an evangelist and this is really what cinched it for me and i realized like why victoria is like fruitful with sharing the gospel he said the key to evangelism is just being a conversationalist or just being chatty <laughs> just chat so here i am on the bus like praying lord praying for outbreak of the spirit in the nations may many people get saved and yet there's like three people sitting around me and four people who have said hello and how are you doing? And I've basically just ignored them. <laughs> you know, like God's like, I'm throwing people your way. Like they're asking you questions about your life and you've got your headphones in and you've got more important. Like I'm trying to answer your prayer here. And you're, do you get what I'm saying? And so I've tried to be more Tory. And as Victoria, don't, I'm not like... <laughs> <laughs> Some of you politicos are like, what? I'm trying to be more Victorian, just chat. And you know what? I'm getting into more conversations about Jesus. So if I'm at, like getting a takeaway or something and I see something, anything religious on a wall, I'm, my first question, hey, you're religious. I just see where the conversation goes. If people ask me now at the co-op, whatever, how are you doing? I'm like, I'll tell you how I'm doing. They don't expect it. They're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm like, actually, I'm fine today. I tell them something that's going on in my day and I just see where things go. My pharmacist who we've been with for now five years and we like see him a lot. And um, after, like, after, what, four and a half years now, chatting, chatting, just trying to inch by inch. And I was like, oh, this is not going anywhere. And it's very quiet in pharmacies. I don't know if you know pharmacies. Like, they're very intense places to be, especially if you need to get something quite sensitive or chat about. It's like, why are pharmacists the most quiet place in the world? And it's always like the moment you're in there, there's 10 people sat waiting for something in complete silence, listening to what you're about to say. They're quite intimidating places to do medical life and evangelism. 
anyone else, I'd blow it. And I just got chatting again and I found out that my pharmacist's son was a Hindu, but he's applying for a job with the church and he didn't find out. And I got to tell him after four and a half years chatting, I'm a pastor and he's like, oh, that's interesting. So we got to talk a little about religion. Don't worry, I'm going to be back on Monday probably. So I'm going to carry on that conversation. And I've, I've just trying to chat. Does that make sense? I think some of us are too spiritual. We've just got to be more chatty. For me, I stood on my dignity too much. What if I don't know what to say next? What if I don't look like, I don't, I, 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 I just, just be chatty. If, if there are waiters now, if they've got like tattoos, loads of people have like religious tattoos, I just ask them, what's the tattoo about? What's that religion? I just see where it goes. You never know what will happen. Does that make sense? Mini ramble over, full stop. Be more chatty. That's the uh, point there. But this is all because of Christ. Paul doesn't work to principles here. Because you think, well, in a city like London, where there's so much going on, like, the principle is Christ. He leads us. Because he, we're told, is the Lord of the heavens and the earth. not dependent upon anybody. He could have walked past us and remain the Lord. He, he could easily say, like, Paul, am I not free? <laughs> am I not an apostle? I am the apostle of the apostles. Have I, am I not actually the Lord? Are you not literally my workmanship directly? And yet what does Jesus do when he sees us in our sin and our shame and our guilt and our anxiety and depression? He doesn't just walk past us thinking, I don't need to involve myself. It's not my personal preference. I actually like it. Sat on the throne of glory in heaven here. He chooses to step off the throne of glory and to enter in. And we're told that he becomes a baby. He becomes like us. He experiences our temptations and our trials and our problems. He grows up and he becomes in every way tempted like us. And we're told goes one step further than us. In 2 Corinthians 5, Paul says that he actually became sin for us. That he who knew no sin, the one who depended on nobody, the no one person who looked to nobody, he became sin on the cross for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. He identified so closely with us that he was sunk underneath our actual sin on the cross so that we could go free. And when we see Christ and when he becomes our motivating factor, it changes and melts our hearts. So we think, I don't need to stand on any false sense of like English dignity here. I'm, I'm here to present something to you. I'm here to hold out hope in this saviour, Jesus Christ. This is the approach he took. In my closing few minutes, let me just say this. What was Paul's motivation? He says again and again, he says, For, the, for though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant of all, that I might win more of them. And he says, to the Jews, I became a Jew in order to win the Jews, to those under the law, to win those under the law, to those outside of the law, so that I could win those outside the law, to the weak, so that I could win the weak. This is not like, you know, besting someone in an argument. I want to win an argument with you. I don't think anyone's become a Christian because they felt stupid in an argument. Like, oh yeah, you're right and I'm wrong. I feel stupid. Thanks for that. I'll become a Christian. No, he's saying, I want to gain you as a brother or a sister. Paul uses this same words. He says, I will consider everything as garbage for the sake of gaining Christ. This is what he's talking about, winning others. That we might have brothers and sisters by our side worshipping this 
Jesus to share in the blessings he says in verse 23 it's glorious because this is no like trying to build out our team he says I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I might share with them in its blessings so all these blessings of the gospel like being favored by God having eternal life sorted having our judgment day done by Christ on the cross he took my judgment I have nothing to fear on that judgment day nothing I don't fear my sin on that judgment day. It's been handled on the cross by Jesus Christ. All these blessings, I've been saved by the wrath of God. I'm adopted into the family of God. There are so many blessings and Paul's motivation is to have these, this joy shared with others. I, I'm, when I'm sometimes praying for motivation or asking, like thinking about motivation for praying and evangelizing, what I sometimes do is I, I imagine those people with me in church like on my same row worshipping Jesus I just imagine it. I just try and like just picture that person right so I could like be worshipping just enjoying the glory of God and then look down and see two seats down that person that I'm praying for with their face radiant with the blessings of the gospel and it motivates me because I think I want them shoulder to shoulder I want to win them I want to see them gained into the family of God I want to see the joy of God filling their hearts this is the motivation that Paul so when we're talking about Christianity explored and going on the streets and being chatty with the gospel we're thinking Lord would, would there be more people gained that we could be shoulder to shoulder looking to Jesus we pray for our kids Micah and Kiki and Kiki often she's in Beacon so I can talk about her don't talk about it with her but she was, she sits at the back and she's like observing the last few years like she just watches and you know she's just being and it was about I think it was at the weekend away she was sat there and she's just like watching observing like she normally does and I suddenly realized that she was singing the song that we were singing I've never seen her sing a worship song before and like the, just that you know I can't put it into words that feeling of seeing her trying to keep up with Pete and the band getting the worship like trying to engage like singing some words of praise to to Jesus like that's it like I could drop the mic and retire and be done for life I'm like that just to see my daughter and she's just starting her journey and so now sometimes to see her beginning to see this is what Paul's talking about that we could have our friends beginning to sing with us the praise and the glory of Jesus so I'm praying that these words that I've just shared with you would be not just words and would do something deeper than like a kind of a little bolt of adrenaline for a couple of days but would just free some of us just to be more conversational when we're doing life to be motivated to gain others whether we're going to stand with them here at trinity church london or down the road at another church or whether we see them one day in glory when we receive our imperishable reward and you, who knows you know the, someone you chatted to or some pharmacist or someone on the bus or whatever seed you thought i didn't go very far but i shared something just imagine like getting to the throne of grace and seeing Christ face to face for the first time and then like catching like a mile and a half over there in the gallery like the face of that pharmacist that you spoke to back in 2023 like he made it 
He said yes. Jesus saved him. Just imagine the joy with a body that can experience a joy that will go on forever and ever and ever. This is the motivation we have. Amen. Amen. Amen.